Please be seated. Grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. One thing you may have noticed in all of our readings, all of our hymns, there's been kind of a general theme that has been shared through each and every piece of our service so far tonight. Rejoice! Rejoice! Praise the Lord! Rejoice! I will rejoice always! I will thank and bless the Lord always! We heard it in our Old Testament reading from Isaiah. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. We heard it throughout the words of our gospel, the Magnificat, Mary, echoing those words from Psalm 34, Hannah's song, several other places in Scripture. My soul rejoices. My soul rejoices. We sang in our introit, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Sounds great, doesn't it? What about when you don't feel like praising the Lord? What about when your circumstances would tell you to curse the Lord instead of praise Him? What about when your heart is heavy and your soul is downcast? We hear these words of Scripture and they are almost like a slap in the face. When our heart, our mind, our soul is full of worry or fear or panic, how can we praise the Lord at all times? Come on, get real, God. This isn't where I live and move and have our being. I have never seen people so worried, so full of fear, so distraught as I have today has nothing to do with the upcoming election. It has nothing to do with a worldwide pandemic. The number one idol in the state of Nebraska has been slain. And the thought of no Husker football has people crying in the streets. It's true, and you know it's true. What will I do? How can I live? Life won't go on. My friends, whatever is filling you with worry or fear, whatever feelings or emotions, of depression, despair, and melancholy, 
came with you as you came into God's house, whether it's over football or something serious, God's Word for you tonight. The words of our epistle reading. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. How can you praise God when you don't feel like it? How can you praise God when sin or the consequences of sin overwhelms you? Here's how. God teaches you how right here and right now. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that all we might receive adoption as sons. You hear that? God left nothing to chance. At the perfect time, when the time was perfectly ripe, God did what God always does. He keeps his promise. He keeps his word. In the fullness of time, at the perfect time, God sent forth his son. The second person of the Trinity, the eternal Logos, King of kings and Lord of lords, took on flesh and blood for you, for me, for the life of the world. Jesus came here for one reason and one reason only, to redeem those who were under the law, who are crushed by the law's demands. To redeem the world, of course, to redeem you. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus took on flesh and blood. That's why God took up residence inside the womb of the Virgin Mary for you, to redeem you, to buy you back from the power of the devil. Jesus came here so that we would no longer be outside the family, a hired hand, or worse, a slave. A slave to our passions, a slave to the law, a slave to constantly self-justifying our words and our actions. He came to set us free. He came to bring us into the family. And that's exactly what he did. Jesus, who lives a perfect life. Jesus, who dies the death we deserve on Calvary's cross. Jesus, who physically, bodily rises victorious over sin, death, and the grave. Jesus does this for you. He does it for your salvation. He does it for your peace. He does it for your adoption to bring you into the family of God. He won't drag you kicking and screaming. He won't put a gun to your head or force you at the edge of a knife. 
No. He offers this salvation free and full. It is gift. Pure gift. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son for you. Pure gift. My friends, there are consequences to the fact that Jesus became flesh. That Jesus lived, died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of God and is here present in His Word and sacrament. There are consequences to the fact that He has distributed Good Friday and Easter in the waters of holy baptism, in the preached Word, in the holy meal, bread and wine. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son. He has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. God has taken up residence in you. You are a temple of God. God has filled you with His love, His mercy, His peace, His steadfast love that will never run out. How often don't we treat this as a nothing? How often don't we take it for granted? When we look at other people, do we see brothers and sisters in Christ People who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus? Or do we see that person on the other side of the political aisle? That person on the other side of the mandate aisle? That person who doesn't mow their lawn exactly the same way I do? My friends, we allow sin and bitterness and rage and even hatred to consume us. We forget that not only are we children of the Father, but that Christ has died for all people. And that means all people, all people are precious in God's sight. Luther says it this way, It is extremely important, therefore, to keep in view and always to consider this statement. So delightful and full of comfort, as well as others like it, which define Christ properly and accurately. For then, throughout our life, in every danger, in the confession of our faith, in the presence of tyrants, and in the hour of our death, we can declare with a sure and steady confidence, Law, you have no jurisdiction over me. Therefore, you are accusing and condemning me in vain. For I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, whom the Father sent into the world to redeem us miserable sinners who are oppressed by the tyranny of the law. He poured out his life and spent it lavishly for me. When I feel your terrors and threats, O law, I immerse my conscience in the wounds 
the blood, the death, the resurrection, and the victory of Christ. Beyond him, I do not want to see or hear anything at all. Beyond Jesus, I do not want to hear or see anything at all. My friends, when you are down, when you are depressed, when you are in a funk or a melancholy, when your own sin has weighed you down, when the consequences of sin, yours or others, has weighed you down, when it feels like the whole world is falling apart, God's Word teaches us to turn not inward, but to Christ, to His Word of victory. Because in any and every situation, Christ fills us with the forgiveness of sins, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And with that peace comes joy and confidence, regardless of the circumstances. We are filled with a joy that allows us to praise God, to boast, to rejoice in any and every situation. How can you praise God when you don't feel like it? Because God's love for you is real whether you feel it or not. It is objective truth. The objective truth we confess in the most beautiful human words ever written. Luther's small catechism. The explanation to the second article of the creed. I'm sure you learned it. If you don't know it by heart, now is the time. I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from all eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord, who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Why? that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting innocence, righteousness, and blessedness. Even as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity, this is most certainly true. This objective truth of God's love for me in Jesus Christ, true God and true man, risen from the dead, fills us with a confidence. A confidence that can face any trial, any tribulation, any worry, any fear, even death itself. My friends, how can you praise God when you don't feel like it? Knowing what Christ has done for you, how can you not praise God when you don't feel like it? Luther, again, for I am clinging to God who cannot lie. He says, I am giving my own son into death so that by his blood he might redeem you from sin and death. Here, I cannot have any doubts 
unless I want to deny God altogether. And this is the reason why our theology is certain. It snatches us away from ourselves and places us outside ourselves so that we do not depend on our own strength, our own conscience, our own experience, our own person, our own works, but depend on that which is outside ourselves. That is, on the promise and truth of God which cannot deceive. My friends, as the Apostle Paul says in Philippians, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again. Rejoice. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, and our joy in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. It's impossible for us on our own to praise God when we don't feel like it. We need a new heart. And that's exactly what we sing and give thanks for as we sing our offertory. Please stand as we sing. Create in me a clean heart. 